You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So, so yes, at, at Living Word Chapel, we've gone where, where no man has gone before or no pastor should, should go. We started this series on sex last week, and, and thank you for the overwhelming uh, response uh, from, from the first message. Today we're going to be talking about, as we move on to part two, we're going to be talking about sheet music. Sheet music. And how many of you enjoy music in here? Anyone, you know, you listen to music all the time. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of power in music. And it can move us, and it can stir our hearts. Uh, it stirs our emotions like probably nothing else. Uh, music will take us back in time. And, and there are songs that, that can be played on the radio. And I don't know about you, but it will take me to a past memory, something that happened in my life. Uh, music can also move us forward. Uh, you can hear a, a song, and it will encourage you. It will move you in a direction to, to be motivated, Right? Um, and as powerful as music is, it still comes in a, a very distant second to uh, sexual intimacy and what sex can do to the human psyche and to our emotions. In fact, nothing, I don't believe nothing is as powerful to move our emotions like sex. When you uh, uh, become sexually active, it can do two things. It can produce an emotional, a healthy emotional attachment, or, uh, in, and that would be in marriage, or it can, it can pr- produce an unhealthy emotional attachment outside of marriage. Again, I'm going to say this, that sex outside of marriage, uh, I'm not going to say that it doesn't feel good, because the reality is it does feel good. Sex feels good because it's given by God, but the reality is that sex outside of marriage uh, does not uh, honor God, and that's what brings in the things that are unhealthy in this thing that we're talking about called sex. So as we move forward, I want to pray. <laughs> I want to pray as we go into the second part, okay? Father, thank you for every person that's here. Lord, and, and more than anything, Lord, thank you that you're here with us. As we talk about this, this subject of, of sexual intimacy, I pray your, your blessing, your hand upon me as your vessel. Uh, Lord, I just pray that, that uh, everything I say will honor you. Uh, everything that I say, Lord God, will be, will be profitable for, for every person sitting here and, and the person listening on the podcast. And ultimately, that, that your name will be glorified through, through what is said and done here. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. So, so here's, here's what I want to start out with. Um, simply put, God's blessing, God's blessing is on sexual intimacy that's covered in the, in, in the uh, let's, put, let's say like this, the umbrella of marriage. And sexual intimacy that is not under that, that covering, even though it feels good, it doesn't honor God, it doesn't honor us, and it doesn't honor others. And um, your emotions, and, and, and I want you to think about this because we're, we're, we're talking about sheet music. 
Uh, music stirs our emotions. Music takes us places that we were at one time. Music takes us uh, places that, uh, that we've never gone before, and it stirs our minds and our hearts. Uh, and, and sexual intimacy doubles that. And so as we think about sheet music and what it does to us, I, I, I want us to think uh, about how important it is for us to get it right. Because if it's from God, we want to get it right. Amen? And, and, and when people talk about, you know, wh- why, why doesn't the church speak about this subject enough, I would say that we do a disservice not only to ourselves, but we do a disservice to our children and our grandchildren. We do a disservice to those that are even uh, uh, our parents and our, and our grandparents because we should be talking about this very important thing in church. The world talks about two things constantly. The world talks about money constantly, and then they talk about sex constantly, and they sell uh, they, they, they make money with sex, right? The Super Bowl has nothing to do with, with sex, but there's a lot of women and a lot of men there that, that, that really invite uh, sexual intimacy because they're making money. And so as we get it right, it'll change our lives and it will change our, our children's life and our culture. So if, if, if there's a takeaway that I would want for everyone to go away with, it's this. Sex doesn't make a marriage, But good sex will always make a Christ-centered marriage better. You can say amen to that if you agree with it. Sex doesn't make a marriage, but good sex will always make a God-centered marriage better. In fact, I'm going to say this. Marriages which are absent of sexual intimacy are not healthy marriages. People that that I talk to, people that I counsel with, uh, the majority of men that I, that I deal with, I'm talking about Christian leaders that I, that I talk to. When we get real and we talk about their, 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 their biggest problems in their relationship, their biggest problems in their marriage, the biggest problem is that they're not intimate. And, and intimacy, sexual intimacy, doesn't have to be the sex act. It starts with holding hands. It starts with hugging each other. It starts with kissing each other. It starts with these intimate acts that when you have that, it builds a healthy relationship, which then brings in a healthy sexual intimacy. And so we're going to go to the Song of Solomon today. We're going to go to Song of Songs. And uh, this, is a, this is a song that was actually sung at Jewish weddings and celebrations. It's poetic, it's beautiful, and it celebrates intimacy and, and love God's way. So some of the words that I'm going to be using, don't get mad at me, this is God's word, right? I'll just say that on the, on the first, you know, put that out first, uh, that this is God's word. And so if you have any, any objection, you take that up with our Father in heaven, okay? <laughs> so here, here's how it starts in, in chapter 4. Uh, verses 1 through 15, and here's uh, the husband talking uh, to the wife. He says, you are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. That's a good way of saying that, right? (laughs) Your teeth are as white as sheep, recently shorn and freshly washed. Your smile is flawless each tooth matched with its twin. And, and so let's just think about what's going on right now as, as, uh, as, as this, as this uh, husband is, is talking to his wife. He's getting very intimate and he's getting very close. First of all, 
to, to be looking into her eyes and now looking at, into her teeth and, and, and looking very closely at his mate. He says, your lips are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. Before the dawn breezes uh, blow and, and the night shadows flee, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Come down from uh, Mount Amana, from the peaks of Sinur and Hermon, where the lions have their dens and leopards live among the hills. You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine. Your perfume more fragrant than spices. It's getting warm in here. Your lips are as sweet as nectar, my bride. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Your your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. You are my private garden, my treasure, my bride. A secluded spring, a hidden fountain. Your thighs shelter a paradise of pomegranates with rare, rare spices, henna and nard. And now it's really getting warm up here, right? Nard and saffron. Fragrant calamus and cinnamon with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes and every other lovely spice. You are a garden fountain, a well of fresh water streaming down from Lebanon's mountains. Now, this is God's word. When's the last time that you heard this preached in, in, in church or heard it in, one, in, in a sermon? See, God, God orchestrated intimacy. God gave it to to a man and a woman as a gift in marriage. And I think that we really do a disservice when we're not operating in this intimacy that's given from God. Okay? So I put together four essentials. These are four essentials for celebrating a God-centered sheet music. Okay. Here's the first one. There has to be love that's at the very center of your intimacy. There's got to be love. And love is always expressed through commitment. Love is always centered on trust. Uh, man, and, man and women's uh, greatest uh, commitment is expressed in marriage. Would you agree with me on that? The, the greatest commitment that we make between a, 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 a persons, just say persons, but a man and a woman, you know, which is how marriage is celebrated. We talked about that in, in, in the first part of the series, the oneness that we have and how God orchestrated for a man to leave his father and mother, male, female, and to cleave to his wife, man, woman, and the two shall become one, and they were naked and not what? Not ashamed. So there should be no shame in your game. Let's just put it that way. All right? There should be no shame in the sheets. The marriage bed is undefiled. Right? Undefiled. In other words, there's nothing wrong with the marriage bed. God honors that. I believe God applauses it. Last week I talked about you need to let God into the bedroom. 
He's there anyways, but let God in there and say, Lord, I want to honor you with, my, with what I do in, uh, in my bedroom, right? Not just in the kitchen, Lord, not just in, the, in, in, you know, in my den, but I want you in every aspect of my life. And so love is the centerpiece. And it's the greatest expression that we have as people. Solomon wrote, wrote it like this. He said, you have captured my heart. My treasure, my bride, you hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love, your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine. Your perfume more fragrant than spices. What he's saying is that, that this love, this intimacy is, is so extravagant that it intoxicates you. And, and when you get to this place of, let's, let's just get real, when you're in this intimacy, there is nothing like it in the world. And there's not supposed to be. The intimacy that a husband and a wife has, it's intoxicating. It's incredible. You think about it. You, you can't wait. When you're, when you're newly married, you can't wait to get out of work. You can't wait to spend some time with your wife. You can't wait to spend time with your husband. And you're supposed to be that way. God invites couples to celebrate their love through sexual intimacy in marriage. It honors him when we do so. It honors each other. And just like music, just like music, when you first start playing music, your notes are not the best. When you first start in intimacy, your notes are not the best. There's a lot of practice that has to take place in playing music, and there's a lot of practice, hear me now, that has to take place in your intimacy, your intimacy changes from 25 days in marriage to 25 years. And it should get better and better and better and better. Yes, I said it. It should get better and because you know each other. You've played the right chords and you've played the wrong chords. Amen? And, and the, when you play the wrong chords, it's okay for someone to say, you played the wrong chord. <laughs> that ain't music. Amen? If we're, if we're intimate, let's think about it. There, there is, you're as vulnerable as, as you're ever going to be in, in intimacy. You're as, you're as close. You, 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 are, you expose yourself. And, and, the, and the word of God says, because of God, we're naked and we're not ashamed. We come together and there should be some great notes that begin to be played. But it comes with practice. Love begins to grow. And you begin to express the wonderful gift of God in your life. And you may be here, and, and, or you, you may be listening on the podcast, and you might be saying, um, Pastor, uh, uh, I'm not married, and uh, I'm in a sexual relationship. And you, you might be saying, Pastor, we, we make pretty good sheet music. We're not married, but we make pretty good sheet music, and I don't want to mess up a good thing. And I've had people say that to me. I love honesty. You know, I don't want to mess up a good thing. But what I would say to you, that what may be sounding good to you on earth is not sounding good to God in heaven. And I think that is the most important priority that we should think about. Music, music to God's ear is based on commitment. It's based on honor. It's based on trust. It's based on loyalty. Sex 
is not love. Sex is an extension of love that we have in marriage. It's a facet. It doesn't make our, our relationship. It doesn't make our marriage. That's why people that, that focus on the sexual part in their relationships end up falling apart because it's unhealthy. Sex without commitment, sex without loyalty, sex without trust is nothing but an act. Amen? But sex that is based around loyalty and trust and commitment is actually a servanthood that you give to someone. You give your life to that person, and it changes, and it's an expression that brings fireworks. It's like the 4th of July in your life, but that doesn't make your, your relationship. A lot of times we will say outside of Christ, uh, uh, I love uh, making love to my girlfriend, when in actuality, uh, it, we, and our, our relationship is not made up of love, it's made up of lust, because love always comes with and through a commitment and the covenant of, mar- of marriage. And the Bible helps us here, right? But let me say this, because this is important. Many of us, many of us, notice my verbiage, have done it the wrong way. Many of us in our ignorance did it the wrong way. Many of us, because of our impulses, we followed our impulses, we followed our feelings, we did it the wrong way. But God's a God of restoration. God's a God of, 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 of healing. God's a God of, of giving us second chances and third chances through the grace and the wonderful love of Jesus. Amen? And, and, and then we, we go to this uh, in, in Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. It says, let your fountain be blessed and I, I, I said this last week, but this is important. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight and be intoxicated always in her love. Notice, notice how that, that, that same theme is going through different books and how intimacy, you know, he says, celebrate the wife of your youth. In other words, don't stop celebrating this intimacy that you can have with her. And I'm speaking to someone here today because, you know, you're, you're maybe celebrating without it being your wife or celebrating without being your husband. This is the thing, beloved. God loves you too much to let you keep going in that way. You celebrate with your wife. You celebrate with your husband. And you grow in that. And, and it says you continue to celebrate and, and, and let your fountains be blessed. Let every aspect of your life, every aspect of your anatomy, let it be blessed. Let it be happy. And then it says, you know, uh, be intoxicated with the love that you, that you formed there. Can I tell you that a relationship that is, that is um, absent, a marriage that is absent of sexual intimacy, you're lacking in some part of your relationship Because you are not celebrating the things that God wants you to celebrate. And can I tell you, that's not from God. That's from the enemy of your soul. That's from the enemy of your your marriage. Sure is quiet in here. The, The second part of cheap music is loyalty. It's an essential loyalty. How important is loyalty to to the bedroom? God has always intended for us to have loyalty outside of the bedroom and inside of the bedroom. And outside of Christ, we don't have it. A lot of years that Pastor James walked, uh, you know, lived his life without any loyalty to anybody. And Proverbs says this, he who pursues righteousness and and loyalty finds life. 
Without loyalty, we don't have a love song. We have a broken record. And Job said this, and I, and I, I, I have used this, this, uh, this passage, this verse, as, as something that I have integrated and made a part of my life. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look at lust at a young woman. Not to look and lust at a young woman. Or not to look and lust at a, at, a, at a woman in general. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why? Because I want to be loyal to my wife. When I go to when, what God does in us, what Jesus does in our lives, what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts, is that we go into, into our bedrooms, we bring God into our bedrooms, and we, when we become intimate with our, with our spouse, there's only room for, for us in there. We don't want to bring someone else in in our minds. We don't want to bring someone in in our hearts. And what the enemy does is he'll try to bring all kinds of thoughts into, into our mind. That's why pornography is so dangerous because pornography takes you places that don't honor God. It takes you places that don't honor yourself and it takes you places that don't honor your spouse. And then you bring those places, you bring those people into the bedroom, into the bed, into your sheet music and you're not having sheet music with the person you should be having sheet music. You're having sheet music with other people in your mind and that is a, a remedy for disaster. And I know that every one of us has faced that and you've got to be able to come, take a step back and say, Lord, I want to honor you. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes not to look and lust at a young woman. And the crazy thing, beloved, the crazy thing is we have, my wife and I have ministered not only to men, but to women. And so you may be in here and, and you're struggling with this. I, I remember uh, taking a, a lady through the steps and, and she was a wonderful, wonderful woman of God. And she said, you know, people always talk about, about guys and men being, being caught in the, the, the web of pornography. She said, but women get caught there. And I've been, I've been struggling with this. And you may be a woman in here, and nobody even knows that you're caught in the web of pornography. You're in this place. Can I tell you that God wants to set you free? And Jesus Christ can. And there's a loyalty that he brings into our lives and into our, into our bedroom. Sexual, sexual intimacy designed by God was never intended to leave someone broken, but instead to make a husband and wife complete. We should never, in sexual intimacy, we should never violate a conscience of our spouse. We should never make them do something that makes them feel shameful. We should never do something hurtful. You see, the lust of the flesh will take us places that will really just concern us. Amen? The, the, the lust of the flesh will always, you can never satisfy the lust of the flesh. Let me just say that. You'll never satisfy it. The more you try to feed it, the more it wants. And if you go there, then you'll begin to do things that are dishonoring, first of all, to you, to God, and to someone else. And we should never violate the conscience of that person that God has brought into our lives. So here's your action step, okay? Don't allow the world around you to mold you into becoming a disloyal lover. Sexual intimacy is beautiful and it's meant to be shared with your husband and your wife or your wife. Always safeguard your bedroom from intrusion from the intrusion of, of enemies, whether that's in your mind, 
your eyes, and especially your heart. Porn is an enemy, and, uh, and, and, and it wants to destroy our lives. Now, here's how the chapter ended, okay? It says uh, in, in verse 16 of, of, of chapter 4, it says, Awake, north wind, rise up, south wind, blow on my garden and spread its fa- fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love. Taste its finest fruits. What I want you to grab a hold of uh, is God wants you to celebrate a vibrant, intimate life of sexual intimacy that honors him. The third essential is beauty. Beauty. Nothing is greater for our relationships, especially our marriages, than for us to find the God-given beauty in our spouses. I've been married to Shauna. It's going to be 33 years in October. Can I say something? This is how good God is. My wife is more beautiful to me today than the first day I married her. She, I'm not kidding you. When I look at her, She's beautiful. And that's, and that's a God-given thing. And, I, and I'm handsome to her. I hope. <laughs> you see, God, God made us with an attraction to each other. And, and God desires uh, us to find each other attractive. Beloved, we have to, we have to intentionally do this. We have to intentionally, intentionally find attraction in our spouses. We've got we've to... Uh, cultivate that. We've got to continue to, to grow that, you know, and, and, and make it something that's, that's, that's good for us. Uh, here's what, what, what uh, the, the, the husband says. You are beautiful, my darling, beautiful beyond words. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves. It's, this is a lesson that we don't always grab a hold of, but telling your spouse how beautiful they are is vital to, a, uh, to making music in the bedroom. It's not going to happen if you treat your spouse like dirt all day and then at night you want to dance a salsa in bed. It ain't going to work. You ain't going to be doing the salsa if you ain't cutting up some of them tomatoes in the morning. <laughs> you, ain't gonna, you don't cut up the jalapenos and you don't, you know, la cilantro. You've got to start talking some good things into your relationship. Or it doesn't happen. I also, I also believe we should do everything we can to keep ourselves attractive for our marriage partners. We should do everything we can to keep ourselves attractive to our marriage partners. Notice what he says right here. Your teeth are as white as sheep. Your smile is flawless. Your, your lips are, are like scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is inviting. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates. What he's saying right here is brush your teeth. Floss. If you don't have any floss, come see Pastor James. I've got these floss sticks. I will give you one. It's amazing what it does to your hygiene. Right? Your cheeks are like pomegranates. If your cheeks are, you know, if they're not rosy, we've got makeup. Put a little bit of, put some paint on the barn. Right? There's amazing what we can do. Your neck is beautiful. It's jeweled. It's, you know, what you see here is a woman who took the time to keep herself looking and smelling good. And a word from the wise, from the word of God, God expects us to keep ourselves at our best. And what I love about my wife, I I have a love-hate relationship with this aspect of 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 our marriage, is my wife has never let me. 
She's never allowed me to let myself go. You ever, you ever been in a marriage or you've seen marriages where the, where the husband, you know, he's married already. So who cares? He lets himself go. You know, he eats everything in sight. You know, I try to. I have to hide to eat everything. <laughs> what are you eating? You know, the, the reality is she, she loves me. She loves me enough to tell me, hey, I don't want you. I love you, and I'll love you if you're 200 and, you know, 300 or whatever, or whatever. I'll love you anyways. I always tell you, there's more to love, babe. She, that's not the way it works. So, so we have to take care of ourselves. We've got to, we've got, God expects for us to do that. Amen? He expects for us to do that. So here, here's your action step. Take the necessary steps to keep your sheet music in marriage vibrant by keeping yourself looking and smelling your best for God's glory. Here's what I want you to tell. Look at your neighbor and just say this. Staying clean and in shape doesn't save your soul, but it may save your marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Staying clean and in shape It doesn't save your soul, but it may save your marriage. Have you noticed? Can I get off? Can I I take a bunny trail? Have you noticed, you know, when when you're being enticed for an affair, when you're being enticed, that, you know, the devil takes this way, how people, they they start working out. They start, you know, they start cutting their hair. They start, and they're being, they're being enticed. Why don't you do that for your marriage? Amen? Do, we should do that in our marriages. We should do that in our relationships. Make yourself look good. Make yourself feel good. And keep that marriage vibrant. Here's number four, the fourth essential. Sexuality. Sexuality. Sex is and was God's design, and it's intended to be enjoyed in marriage. Let me say that again. Sex is God's design, and it's intended to be enjoyed in marriage. I'll put it this way. Sex should be celebrated in marriage, and it should be anticipated outside of it. If you're not married, you should be anticipating the the greatest night of your life whenever God brings that perfect spouse, that spouse that God has placed in your life. And can I tell you, the perfect spouse for you is the person you marry. I tell people this all the time. God doesn't command us to marry the person we love. God commands us to love the person we marry. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, I really love this person. Six months later, they say, I hate him. I hate that person. God doesn't command us to marry the person we love. He commands us to love the person we marry. And we grow in that love. You should be, a married couple should be celebrating sex. And can I say this? You should be celebrating sex often. And your often is going to be different than everybody else. But I'm going to say this, that the person in each, oh, I'm going to get kind of, it's getting kind of, uh, kind of warm up here. <laughs> but let me say this, this is important, guys, that every, every couple, there's one person, it could be, the, it could be the wife, it could be the husband, that's more, that's more prominent and more, they want more uh, activity 
uh, in sheet music. They want, they want more intimacy. And your, your, sec, your sexual relationship with your spouse should be at least where that one person is in, in, their, in their intimacy. In other words, if, if the husband desires more intimacy, then the wife needs to come alongside and, and meet him where he needs to be met. If the wife desires more intimacy, that husband needs to come alongside and meet her needs where she needs to be met. That is part of loving one another. And we'll talk about that next week because I'm going to talk about rejection and what it does to people, okay? Look at how the message put, uh, put uh, uh, Song of Solomon 4, 5 through 7. Your breasts are like fawns, twins of gazelle, grazing among the, the first spring flowers, the sweet fragrant curves of your body. Notice how I'm getting really animated up here? The fragrant curves of your body, the soft spice contours of your flesh invite me and I come. I stay until dawn uh, breathes its light and the night slips away. You're beautiful, you're beautiful from head to toe, my, uh, my dear love. Beautiful beyond compare. Absolutely flawless. Now this is the Bible. It's God's word. Notice that, that God emphasizes the beauty of sex in marriage. The, the Bible never talks about sex being a bad thing. It warns us about sex outside of marriage, which is not God's design, because it dishonors God and it, it dishonors each other because in it we're not loyal and committed and trustworthy. That's the only reason sex is bad outside of marriage is because we're not loyal, committed, and trustworthy, and that doesn't honor God. Sheet music in marriage is God's design. It's emotionally healthy. In, fa- in fact, you're going to be happier. You will be more joyful in your, in your everyday life if you and your wife, if, if you and your husband are sexually intimate. It makes your marriage stronger. It keeps your marriage vibrant. It, it, it's a gift given by God. You may be having a hard time at work. You come home, uh, and, and, and you and your wife are intimate, and, and, and things begin to change. There's that love and acceptance and vulnerability and intimacy that happens, and it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful thing. It makes your marriage stronger. Healthy marriages are committed to enjoy each other in, in healthy sexual intimacy. Couples that value each other physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you will be intimate in marriage. One that doesn't violate each other, I said this, it doesn't violate your conscience, but instead you grow in the knowledge of what, uh, what each desires, and you honor God in the process. You begin to play the right, the right chords and not the wrong chords. That's why I'm saying that, that in your, as your marriage grows, uh, you, you begin to understand each other, and you begin to understand your sheet music, and, and you begin to make music that is harmonious, and it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful sound in your life with each other, and especially with God. God created it, and God applauses it. It's a good thing, and it should be celebrated. I've met with a lot of uh, struggling couples throughout the years, and, and sex or lack of sex has always been a source of their problems. It might not be the root, but it's a part of the problem. You, they stop holding hands, They stop holding hands, they stop hugging, they stop caressing, and they stop kissing. Do you understand that every nerve ending that we have, everything that we do, our anatomy tells us that there's something special when you hold hands, and there's a different way that you hold hands with your wife 
and with your spouse, with your girlfriend than you do with everybody else. There's a different way that you hold your, your grandson's hand and a different way that you hold your child's hand than you hold your spouse's hand. There's a different way. And every part of it, every nerve ending, every aspect of our anatomy, every sense of touch, every sense of smell does something to us. And we should do everything to protect that it's going to be something that honors God and honors others. Sherry Kirschenbaum wrote this in the Washington Post, and I love it. It says, aside from helping us, because there's a science in kissing. Let me, let me start with this. There's a science behind kissing. Aside from helping us to find a great match, kissing has other perks as well. It sets off a cascade of neural impulses that bounce between the brain and the tongue, lips, facial muscles, and skin. Billions of little nerve connections distribute information around the body, producing, a chemical, uh, producing chemical signals that change the way we feel. A passionate kiss can spike the, the neurotransmitter uh, dopamine, which is linked to feelings of craving and desire. Uh, oxytocin, known as a love hormone, fosters a sense of closeness and attachment. Adrenaline boosts our heart rate and can make us start sweating as our bodies begin to anticipate what might occur later. Cortisol, uh, known as a stress hormone, also dips to reduce uneasiness, blood vessels dilate, breathing, breathing can deepen, cheeks flush, and our pulse quickens. You know, the, the reality is, is when you stop kissing, married couples, when you stop kissing, you lose something that is so important to your body, to your mind, to your emotions, to your heart. If you're married, look at each other and say, I want to kiss after the service. I want to I kiss. I want to kiss. And some of, your, some of your kids are in between you guys. You're like, it's happening. You know, what this writer, uh, secular writer, doesn't mention is that kissing is a gift from our creator. And the Bible talks about a holy kiss, right? Uh, a, a kiss on the, on the cheek can communicate Christian love. And it can uh, communicate fatherly and motherly love for a child. The Bible says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And then there's a, there's a passionate kiss reserved for husband and wife. You know? and, and so here's your action step. If you're married, if you're married, kiss your spouse more. Kiss your spouse more. And keep your sexual intimacy vibrant. With the, with the understanding that it will strengthen your marriage and glorify God. Here's action step number two. If you're single, take steps to guard your sexuality. And make a, make a decision to honor God and others by waiting till your marriage to have sex, till you're married to have sex, and then celebrate it with fireworks on your marriage day. It will be better if you wait, Okay? Action step number three, if you're cohabitating, if you're living together, take the necessary steps, take the steps necessary to honor God and honor each other by abstaining from sexual intimacy. And I would say this, marry each other and celebrate the greatest gift that God has given mankind. The premise there is marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Notice that, God will judge. 
And God wants to restore our relationships. God wants to restore our sexuality. And the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. For those of us that have done things the wrong way, God can restore us and he can bring wonderful, wonderful intimacy into our lives. And I can say that for my wife and I, that God did an amazing work when we came to Jesus Christ in our lives. So let's pray. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.